Hi, I'm Justin Boyd. I'm Brittany Pacheco. I'm Franklin Cooper. Tristan Jones. And we are the Watchers in the Basement. Welcome to the Watchers in the Basement. We are here today to discuss episode number three, season one of House of the Dragon. Title of the episode is Second of His Name. Before we kind of deep dive into the plots and storylines of this episode, let's just kind of go around the room and get everybody's overall thoughts of the episode. I'll start with Brittany. What'd you think about second of his name? You know, this episode really did not disappoint. I mean, it's, it had the action when you needed it. It had the politics, politicking, whatever you want to call that when you needed it. And it's just great character development in my personal opinion. And let me tell you the last part of this episode really just took the whole show in in my opinion but i i'm i love this show it has not disappointed at all frank what are your thoughts uh, again I, I gave it a 10 out of 10 i love how the show is creating its own identity away from the original show um it's not from the same blueprint that you know the original show had these flash forwards are fluid that make sense i was Originally, you guys know, I was really concerned about the flash forwards in the beginning um, of the series, but the, they've been fluid. Um, and I like how they they do callbacks in natural conversation um, of the show to, to show you where they're at and what's happened and what's transpired. So it's great. I mean, the cast has been wonderful. I mean, goddamn. Viserys and Rhaenyra are doing some goddamn class A acting this bitch. They are acting their goddamn asses off. And I have to curse because I'm like, I have to show you how well these motherfuckers are doing this shit. So I'm 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 very happy with the show so far. It's Frank approved, but is it Tristan approved? Absolutely Tristan approved. Um loved it even more on the second watch. Uh just, just keep noticing some stuff. Um I love how this episode was so po- politics heavy. And I think that's what Game of Thrones, the show, kind of got away from in the last, you know, few seasons um, by trying to play up like this big war. Forgot like the 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 real meat of the show is in these, you know, back rooms. It's in these halls. It's the conversations between these royal people that affect so much stuff. I loved it, and like you said, Brittany, like the last ten to twelve to fifteen minutes was um, jaw dropping. Um, theater uh i mean just excellent acting i mean we're like matt smith was already a uh a legend <laughs> he was already an iconic actor but like he he's he's hitting another level in these three episodes but my last thing how i felt about this episode this was the viserys and allison uh episode i though these those were my two mvps uh rainer was great but allison hightower man she's she's gonna get her respect one way or another <laughs> Absolutely. And on terms of Matt Smith, it's kind of like Matt Smith can perform, but then he's also like, hold my beer. Let me go really perform. And real quick, before I turn this back over to Justin, just want to say shout out to Drew, our friend in the North. What's up? Thanks for joining the pod. Yeah. So picking up off what uh, Tristan said, uh, you know, also what Frank said, we're talking about the flash forward. So this episode, it takes place three years after episode two. And I agree with Frank. I think it's really well handled as far as how they jumped forward. The one thing I think was missing though, I wish we could have seen in that two or three year time period. I wish you could have seen the first time that Allison and 
Rhaenyra have a conversation. Maybe they don't. Maybe they just, you know, I mean, it's kind of implied in this episode that obviously she's not, Rhaenyra is not talking to anybody, but especially not Allison. But I, I would have liked to have seen that scene or, you know, maybe a scene if there, I'm sure there's some kind of a wedding between the, for the king, you know, between Viserys and, and, uh, Allison. So I'm sure there was, that would be an awkward kind of thing to show. Um, but yeah, this show just keeps getting better and better. And I feel like it's just like Game of Thrones is back. You know, it's like it never left and it never got bad. <laughs> it's just good Game of Thrones. So excited to have it back. Um, this episode had kind of three main storylines. You had Damon and the sea, sea snake. Sea snake. That's tough to say. Sea snake battle battling she the crab feeder. Seashells yeah. by seashore. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one. Um, you had, you had Aegon, the Aegon's second name day and you had, uh, Rhaenyra kind of like getting hit from all angles with the marriage proposals. Where do y'all want to start? Brittany, I'll let you choose. What, what, do, which storyline do you want to go off on first? I, I think we need to save the crab feeder for the last, just yeah. because from what you and I have learned from Tristan and Frank last episode, is that in the book Fire and Blood, which the show's based off of, Crab Feeder has like three to four sentences worth of any acknowledgement. And so the fact that the show decided to kind of give some showtime to the Crab Feeder, but then like what Tristan said, the last 10 to 12 minutes of this episode was amazing. I'd like to say that for last, but let's talk about um, the dynamic with uh, Rhaenyra. I mean, you, you mentioned about the fact that you would have liked to have seen some sort of either wedding or some sort of conversation. I think the way that it was portrayed in this episode is that it was well done. And I think to elude that Rainier has just cut off all ties with Alicent because that for her probably was the ultimate betrayal, whether Alicent really wanted it or not, it still feels like that of a betrayal and then add salt to that wound now Alicent not only has brought in the long-awaited male heir into the world, she's also pregnant again. And so it just keeps going from bad to worse, I'd imagine, in Rhaenyra's opinion. And she feels alone. She feels like there is no one there for her. And she does say that in the show at some point, that no one is there for me. And it's it's really sad. It's a really, really sad way of thinking for such a young woman and also to wonder whether or not her position is in trouble. Frank, your thoughts. I mean, I think all this could have been remedied if you have a strong king in, on the throne. Um, I mean, throughout this whole episode, Viserys is, he's going back. He's talking about how, how many dreams he's had and visions and prophecies and, and have I made a mistake? Um, I think the difference between Viserys and every other king that that sat on the throne, at least on Game of Thrones, is that none of them gave a fuck. They did what they wanted to do. They had no, there was no emotional ties, feelings, um, a lot of immoral um, actions put in place because Viserys cares so much, and that and him caring so much and being so um, hesitant creates for creates for bad decision making, and and we, and you see with the Viserys, he really wants Rhaenyra to be happy. Um, this is not 
this is not what Viserys wants. This is what the realm wants. You know, this, I, I mean, if it, if it was up to Viserys, I don't think Viserys would have ever got remarried. But because of the realm, he he had he he needed he needs to appease people, and I, I think that's one thing we're starting to see as um, these the show goes by and how Game of Thrones sets these parameters is that just because you're king doesn't mean you get to do what the fuck you want. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the fact of the matter. And I think because um, his lack of his lack of fortitude and lack of um, decision making is making such a mess of this. Because um, if you really wanted to, he could have been like, I don't care what child comes out. I don't care if it's a boy or a girl, whatever. This is my heir. That's it. But because of, of the of the politicking that's taking place in the in the realm and having to forge um, these alliances, you have to kind of listen to the people and and make sure that you know the realm is happy and not just you as a king. Yeah, that's a good point, Tristan. What are your thoughts on Rhaenyra in this episode? Um, so <clears throat> the Rhaenyra, um, I thought it was. I thought this episode both showed. Rhaenyra's, um, her chops as a ruler, uh, potential chops as a ruler, and also show like the gaps that could potentially, you know, for those who don't know the story, that could potentially trip her up as a ruler. Uh, on one end, like we see how fierce she is. We see how she's not afraid to make a decision. She has like conviction about her decision, something that her father does not have. And I think she's seeing that piece by piece as he kind of, you know, vacillates through different moods and different objectives and trying to please this person and this person i think she's starting to lose trust in like the dependency that she can have with him with at the same time if you want to be a ruler of the seven kingdoms you more than anybody have to understand the laws and customs and traditions of said kingdom and i understand that she wants to allah her great 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 something uh Daenerys she wants to you know break this real break this will or change the order of the way things are done but you can't you can't do that from the outside first especially not in those times so I thought it, it showed a lot a lot of immaturity I mean she's 17 um and she's a princess she's been pampered her whole life like she I don't, I don't expect anything different but this is what you get from 17 a 17 year old heir to a throne like you get a lot of lack of perspective um I mean, I hate to be the I've always I, I hate to be the one to say it, but I I didn't think the Allison and, and Viserys, you know, betrothal or marriage is weird for the times that are being depicted. Um, outside of the fact that Allison is much older in the book, but like, fifteen women were getting married, having kids, multiple kids at fifteen. This is just what it is. If we're going to talk about Game of Thrones, we're going to talk about this feudal society that is being depicted. Then we have to operate under those rules. So I get I do understand the emotional part of her beef with Allison and her father, but from a practical standpoint, I don't think she's seeing the big picture. Um, and which is ironic because everybody's accusing Viserys of not seeing the big picture, which he is not seeing the big picture. But right. a lot of the people around them are also short-sighted and really, you know, just thinking about their own station and not what's good for the realm, which is why. The Draymond Green of this episode, young <laughs> young Allison Hightower, right? Just made, just said the right things at the right times to either um, increase the situation, uh, some tension. Like when they were at the um, in the hall and the ladies were gossiping about the war and what's happening in the Stepstones and stuff like that. 
Allison, even though there's this tension between her and Rhaenyra, she she just says the right thing. Like, hey, Rhaenyra, she's better suited for this position. Like, I'm not going to go again. I'm still trying to, she's trying to mend these fences without being too overt about it. I love the advice she gave Viserys. I love the way that she is starting to build her own agency and talking to her father. Like, her father directly gave her a command. Talk to him about Aegon being the king. And she reared off to, like, what was best for the realm in that moment. And it's the same advice she gave him. Excellent Allison episode. And we start with, I guess, to, to wrap it up, we see, like, the, the clear contrast between Allison and Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra is the warrior, and she has a warrior's mindset. And Allison is more of a conciliator. And I think both were needed at times. And in this episode, I think Allison's was a little bit more valuable. But you know yeah. what, too? I, I think this time, what's going on with the Targaryen kingdom right now? This is a this is almost a rebuilding year for the, for the Targaryens. Like this this three year gap is like when you look at Aegon's conquest, right? This is the height of the Targaryen power. The Aegon, Visenya, and and uh, and Rhaenys, they set the tone for the Seven Kingdoms. They merged the kingdoms, right? They 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 created this whole um, inbreeding of, of keeping the bloodlines pure, even against the faith militant. Like they. They set their own tone of how they wanted the kingdoms to be ran. Now, 100 years later, you see now, because of the lack of strength of Viserys and what, and really since after Jaehaerys, you see cracks in the kingdom because the, he, he's not a strong king. If he had the same, if he had the same, uh, if he ruled the Iron Fist like Aegon and, ja, and, and Jaehaerys and many, many before them, you wouldn't see so many cracks, so many people politicking and pulling the king left and right. If, if you have a bigger sense of what, of, of, of who he was as a man, who, who he was as a ruler. But, but the minute he shows weakness, now the virtues are coming. And now they're saying, oh, you have to, oh, you have to marry this, this, this family. Oh, your daughter needs to, needs to, needs to be over here and, and, and courting these lords and stuff. Like this was Aegon. None of this should be going on right now because Aegon knows who he is as a king. Same as your Harris. So. Now y'all yeah. make some. Oh, no, you go ahead. Go ahead, Brittany. I was just going to say, you know, y'all make some excellent points as always, because I do divert to y'all's expert opinions, having read the books, you know, really being invested in the story and lore and things of that nature. I, I definitely agree with Tristan a little bit more so now about Allison as a character, just because you're kind of wanting to set her up as the one that you just don't like, you know, you're going to side with Rhaenyra, you know, she betrayed her best friend, boom. But she was that sense of reason for Viserys when he definitely was feeling some type of way and just weighing over his head. And it's like, he can't make the simplest of decisions, especially when it came down to that of the crab feeder situation, which we'll talk about later. However, Allison, I, I definitely foresee she will be able to hold her own just because in the scene where she goes to the Godswood and finds Rhaenyra and Rhaenyra is just addressing her. Yes, my queen, you know, what, what is it kind of situation? And, and Allison's just being very kind and trying to be inviting. And then, and then she kind of pulls rank to tell the, the, uh, oh gosh, I can't even think what he's called. Um, not the jester, but you know, the, the, like a bard, is that what they're called? A bard. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I was trying to think what it's called in the Witcher, um, telling the bard, you know, to, to leave them and, and, Rainier wants to pull rank first to say the princess by order of the princess you stay and then it's like by order of the queen leave and it's like okay you know so Allison definitely I think will be able to hold her own 
I I'm starting to definitely see the necessity of having her in this picture other than just bearing children, which is definitely like that major slap in the face to Rhaenyra because she brought into this world a son who is making her question if her station as as heir to the Iron Throne is in trouble or not. And I'm trying to think what Frank said, but I can't think about it right now. Justin, I'm gonna turn it back to you. Uh, I was just gonna say that definitely Allison is better at playing the game. I think she's more mature, even though they're the same age. And I like how they 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 reference the age by saying 10 and 7 instead of 17, 10 and 7. So that was kind of cool. Um but one thing about Rainier that I think is interesting is that she's still, I mean, yeah, she's a 17-year-old girl, but she gets no respect for what happened in episode two, where she flew to Dragonstone, resolved this conflict without anybody dying. All those people that were at Dragonstone, they're all still in this world. And I mean, obviously her father, Viserys, he knew what happened. She told him what happened. Like, wouldn't she get some points for that? You would think like that's, I mean, that's true leadership. I mean, she really, you know, took control of the situation and solved the situation without anybody dying. It just seems like she gets no respect. Three years later, she's still the same, you know, in the same spot, except for now she's an angsty 17 year old who doesn't want to, you know, do her duties, which are to get married and to continue the family line. I I think Um, that's where the stark difference in in her. Like you said, Allison is better at playing the game is because Allison is governed by, honor tradition customs and stuff like that that's how she lives her life that's how she does like you see it in her um religious motivations you see it in you know the way that she's like the dutiful daughter um also the dutiful wife like she plays the game um because she understands if i just play by the rules like it doesn't you know protect me from potential harm but i'm able to see the full board and where Rhaenyra is kind of really looking at it for only from Rhaenyra's perspective um, as a ruler. And I don't, another reason I love this episode for Allison, I feel like I learned so much about her, right? And I don't, I don't, I don't think I needed to see like the wedding. I didn't need to see like any, like any, definitely no sex scenes between this. Oh yeah, no, no. Like I didn't, I don't, I don't feel like we needed to see that because I think the show is doing a great job of keeping this eye on the ball. Like there's way more, action and way more storylines to come to where I don't think we have to get hung up on, you know, these very minor things, especially since we've seen them before in the main show. Um, but Alicent, I think, does a, a great job of, like I said, just understanding what to say in the moment. And because she doesn't really have these selfish ambitions, she can speak objectively in a way that I, honestly no other character in the show can. Yeah, no, that's, that's very true. I mean, she definitely... Like I said, she she's playing the game and she knows how to play. I mean, and she's also, you know, she's also kind of being played by a father, but then she, you know, she kind of goes her own way. She's the one who convinces Viserys to provide aid to Damon in the uh the Battle of the Stepstones. So she was a key key figure in this episode, no doubt. Allison definitely invokes the spirit of a later descendant, and by that I mean Marjorie Tyrell. Being able to play the game, being directed by a head of household, and in in Marjorie's case, it was her grandmother, of course, the was it the Queen of Roses? Man, she was a fucking legend. But the fact that 
you're you're seeing the connections between these these relatives and and just how important their character will be in the long run. So yeah, Allison, I, I've got I've got a little bit more respect for her and how she's playing this game because we talked about it before in the in the Game of Thrones, you either you, you know, win or die. Yeah. So to continue with Rhaenyra, so the episode, a big part of the episode is they're going on this hunt, which is a like a celebration slash carnival kind of thing for uh Aegon's second name day. And while, you know, the reason why I've, I mean, the main reason it seems like why Viserys wanted his daughter to be there is so that she could field all these marriage offers. So let's talk about one of them. Uh, we see Jason Lannister. He gets to shoot his shot on her. Um, what what did y'all think about Jason Lannister? And and before uh, I'll, I'll go to Frank with this. Before we answer that, did y'all realize that um, Tyland and Jason Lannister are played by the same actor? Yes, because they're yeah. And, and that yeah. actor was play played a character yeah. in Game of Thrones. Exactly, he was Sir Hugh of the Vale. So I did not remember that. I heard that and I looked it up. But uh, anyway, that's kind of cool that he's. Now three characters in the Game of Thrones uh, universe, but uh, Frank, what do you think? What do you think about Jason Lannister? I mean, I mean the 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 casting and the in the in the the personalities of of that Lannister compared to Jaime and Cersei is 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 almost poetic. It's it's seamless. The 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 pompous nature oozing off the screen. I'm just thinking like, dude, did Cersei even vet this dude, bro? Like, how do you? How do you bring this guy <laughs> as as a suitor for your daughter? Um, I thought it was funny, I, but at the same time, I thought that scene was needed to show you how powerless Rhaenyra really is when it comes to her name being pawned off to different lords, so just just to create um, more alliances for the Seven Kingdoms. I mean, the the crown is weak. The crown is weak. They're talking behind Viserys's back. They're questioning his lack of his his lack of um uh. I guess awareness with this war within the Stepstones, the questioning him naming Rhaenyra. So it's like in a way he's kind of like trying to deflect a little bit just to like eat, try, create, try to create more alliances within Seven Kingdoms by pawning off his daughter. And it's it, it it's sad, but at the same time it's a harsh reality of like how the realm views Rhaenyra. She's just nothing but a birthing vessel and and powerful name for the next lord. So. Exactly. And uh, Tristan, I want to get your thoughts on uh, Jason Lannister. He So after being kind of turned away by Rhaenyra herself, he takes it to the king, Viserys, and uh, offers, you know, what you know, explains what he could offer for uh, his daughter's hand. How do you think that that uh, scene played out? Um, I mean, I think the, sh- the scene plays out as a function of the show. Not just, well, two things. One, is to show us like just how these things play out, especially with women, where they just don't have the agency on who they who they marry for the most part. Um, but another great thing I think this does is it's it's also the tie-in that is making to the old show. Like, hey, if you remember Game of Thrones, you remember the, you remember the Lannisters. Yeah. Like all of these, every we look at everybody that's kind of mentioned in the show that we see in the show, um, who has a descendant that we see in Game of Thrones, like the personalities are not that far off like the same stereotypes um and archetypes that we have about the characters in game of thrones we see it in their predecessors in in this show but yeah like 
Rainier is a trade piece. <laughs> it's like she's she is a, the the biggest asset in the realm. Like she has theoretically the title of heir to the throne. She's a Targaryen. I mean, um, beautiful girl. Like all there's nothing. There's nothing that you know checks off. You know, she so, has right. a dragon. She has a dragon. Right. Um, we can see that she she absolutely has. Um, she's not. She's fearless. Like another thing that we're seeing. So this again, the, the show is like subtly. I read, I read somewhere where someone was like, well, there's not as much sexism and misogyny so far as it was in Game of Thrones. And I'm like, well, maybe because it's it's so subtle. It's right. all it's right there in your face, but they're not it's not graphic. As, you know? They're not yeah. as overt or graphic as as Thrones was, but you see it in, in the succession, the way they talk about the succession. It's like, well, we just assumed, I just assumed, and the smugness of Jason Lannister was classic Lannister. Right? Like just kind of overstepping your station. Um, especially we see that a lot with Viserys. A lot of people just kind of overstepping. Yeah. It's <laughs> a lot of overstepping. Um well, go ahead. No, I, I just gonna say, like, you know, Viserys is definitely a, a weak king, but but in that exchange with Jason Lannister, you kind of see him kind of kind of bow up a little bit because Jason Lannister's saying, Hey, like, uh, we can offer you strength or whatever. And he's like, Do you think we do you think House Targaryen lacks strength? And he said, Well, what if someone doesn't offer you dragons? And Viserys is like, do you have dragons to offer? You know, and I thought that was a really good exchange. And then he kind of, you know, let him know, like, hey, like, you know, Jason Lannister saying, like, hey, like, everyone in the realm kind of assumes that she's not going to be the the real heir. And he said, Viserys's response was, well, you need to tell me if you know people in the realm are planning a rebellion because that's you know against their king or that's you know, treason or whatever. So I thought he actually, um, I mean, Patty Constantine's a great actor, and he's. I mean, he's he's on one in this in this season. I mean, he, he's awesome. But I thought he did kind of show a little bit of strength in the face of, you know, this barrage of people telling him what they want him to do so that it benefits them Viserys, as well. Viserys will, he will respond to a direct threat. Right. It's the the imagined ones. It's the subtle threats that he just kind of backs off from. And he's like, well, I'll wait until it becomes something real. Yeah. But, well, but, think, even, but even with like, that, look at me, look at me cups of wine it took him to like let his nuts drop with jason lannister like it, it but seriously like it took him it took him cups of wine and like just hearing whispers throughout that camp for him to finally like like all right enough is enough let me let me just let you know how i feel about this shit right now uh mr lannister he's he, he just he's a he's a pacifist he's a, he's a pacifist targaryen which is an oxymoron for, <laughs> for that for that name so well and i think one topic that really really got to Viserys as we clearly saw in this episode to where it's going to benefit other people and I guess the realm as the way other people put it and that's when when Hightower is basically having that discussion with his own father at the name day celebration I think they're brothers oh you're right well either way you relative and the fact that it's oh it's the second name day and he's no longer an infant, you know, he should be named as heir to the Iron Throne. And Hightower obviously has like this plan to try to convince King Viserys to, you know, name Aegon instead of having Rhaenyra be his his heir. And I, I think obviously that eats away at Viserys because like what Frank said, the fact that Viserys had to pretty much get so plastered in order to 
talk about these feelings and really just kind of let everyone know what he's thinking, even Allison about his own doubts because of the dreams that he had about his son being born with the egg on the conqueror's crown. And, you know, did I make a mistake? Did I make a mistake in naming Rhaenyra my heir, you know, because she is my, my child. And then I, I feel too with Hightower with trying to put this idea into Viserys head about the, the stag, the all white stag represented royalty in, in the lands long before Targaryens and their dragons came on board. And then when we see that the stag that was caught wasn't even the white stag, it was a brown stag. Exactly. So does that allude to the fact that the right heir was named after all? Because it seemed like Viserys had some sort of, of relief when when he was given the the spear to to take down that that brown stag. What what, what do y'all think about that? I'm a I'm gonna shoot it over to Frank first. I mean, the show does a good job of like leading you to believe certain prophecies and certain um, dreams and, and fruitions are coming true. But one thing I've learned from the original show of Game of Thrones and from reading the books is that prophecies can easily be misread, right? It can easily be overlooked. Um, you know, classic example with, Mas with Melisandre. How many times did she get wrong the, the prince that was promised? <laughs> Whether it was with Stannis or with, you know, you know, Daenerys or John. So she was a perfect character. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but um no, oh, but like but like to, to go back to, to the episode last night, um, I think that was a good example of like a prophecy of like being unclear. Because when later on in the episode when Christian Cole, that's that's a nice name, right? Is it Cole? Kristen Cole, yep. Yeah, when Kristen Cole and um and Renera are making camp and they see the white stag, the white stag it looks majestic and it's kind of like almost like paying homage to Renera and Renera's like, no, let it be, let it go. It's it's the show's trying to make you believe that maybe she is the right one to be called that. But yeah. again, with prophecies, man, they're, they're so fickle and they're so misleading, and, and people easily can misconstrue what a prophecy um, can be. Um, Tristan, I don't know if you remember this in Game of Thrones in book one, um, when they're in the Kingswood, when um, Robert Baratheon, Ned, and they're leaving one for to go back to King's Landing in the Kingswood, and Sansa sees a white stag, a white heart. And she has a dream, again, a dream that Joffrey was, that was that was a sign that Joffrey was, was supposed to be the, the the next king in line, you know, being being the chosen one over his over his uh, his drunken father, uh, Robert Baratheon. So that's that's the second time I've seen that example of that white heart and possibly it being uh, a, a misleading sign or a misconstrued sign. Well, I like what you said about like prophecies and how people misconstrue them. They also like actively try to make them true, right? which only messes them and everybody else over in the process. With Viserys, so I think this the show is so nuanced, the story is so nuanced, because Viserys technically made the right decision. He just made the right decision in the wrong world. And I think he knows that. I'm going to shoot Viserys and bail because I think in for, you know, this time period, he's as close to a feminist as we get. I think he never wanted, we know this, he never wanted to be king. Rainey's should have been queen, uh, but because of the duty, because of tradition, customs, another you know, theme popping up again, he has to do this duty. 
right? But and I think part of it is him trying to fix the the original wrong, which is him getting king, um, him getting the throne when he clearly didn't want it and clearly was not qualified for it um, by making uh, Rhaenyra his heir. Now, here's where the practical part comes in, and this is how that decision, you know, sets in motion so many events that will continue to lead to the downfall of the House Targaryen is he could have simply just said, Damon's not my heir. He's not fit to be a king. He's not, he, you know, I have to protect the realm from Damon. Rhaenyra is my heir until I can, po- until I remarry and possibly can produce a male heir. He could have done that. Yes, Rhaenyra would have been pissed. But again, Rhaenyra, where do you live? You know what I'm saying? Like, where, where, where are we at? We're in Westeros in... 1200 whatever the hell like just you know comparatively so she practically practically she would have to understand yes this is the realm that we're serving not the one that we want yes we would love to have one where in, an inclusive realm but you gonna have to wait a few you know 10 more centuries to get that so um i think Viserys is caught in between heart and duty and I think so many characters on the show are caught between heart and duty. Um, and it's, it's going to lead to some uh, amazing storytelling, but, you know, some really sad and tragic, you know, turns of events for that family. Yeah. For sure. And I, I think with Viserys, he said it himself, is that he can't basically make a decision to please one without hurting another. And and a lot of the times that he feels, I think he feels it's towards Rhaenyra just because the animosity that they have or that she has towards him and now Allison and things like that he and he said it had that big blowout with her at at the camp and said every time I try to discuss this with you you know you show no interest and and she says that's because I don't want to get married he and he yells at her and he says I'm not above you know duty and and the tradition and the things that are expected so in other words you know like what you're saying tristan this is the world that we live in you kind of have to do what's expected of you and also i'm the king and tough shit you know <laughs> kind of kind of situation also yeah. the, the hunt complete show invention this yeah you know, i was gonna mention that invention. i think it's like i think it's like one line in the book is what i've heard not even well it, it, the it's hunt like is sentence, mentioned, but yeah. when uh aegon second is born it talks about you know, a bunch of feasts and parties and stuff like that. And, you know, the show writers just, they took that and said, hey, how about a hunt? Uh, excellent choice on their part. <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny when you, when you look at that hunt, how grand it was, and you look at Game of Thrones and the hunt with Robert Baratheon, Gendry, and uh, I think Barris and Selmy, it's like literally four guys in one line, like looking for looking for a stag to stab or a boar to stab. So it's, it's, it's funny how much money they pumped into the show for this scene compared to that scene 10 years ago in game of thrones so definitely and you know about the hunt and everything i I think you were talking about prophecy a little bit ago and the people who are also kind of feeding viserys because viserys as we've seen he is a history buff and he also is you know he says he's a dreamer or he wants to be a dreamer not not a dragon rider per se but a dreamer and you know he he had this dream about you know a, a male babe he says that would be you know on the throne and um i lost my lost track what i was saying (laughs) i don't remember what i was saying damn it um 
Oh, okay. So, so back with the prophecy stuff, you know, we have Otto Hightower who's kind of gassing it up because he's saying like, Hey, like, you know, there was a white, white stag was, uh, was found today. And he's like, of all days on, you know, Aegon's the second's name day, you know, his name day or whatever. And then, you know, then it turns out it wasn't even a white stag. It was just a stag that they found. And that I think you also see that in Viserys's face as this is all playing out. Cause I think there's, I think he, he is wavering on if, if Rhaenyra was the right choice. And I think he sees that, that brown stag and he goes, I think, I think you can kind of see in his face that like, okay, the prophecy is not accurate. You know, there's, there's kind of like a, maybe a look of relief on his face, but also, you know, he's, he probably wanted it to be a white stag because then he would know to go with the prophecy and know, know that, okay, his, his, his two-year-old son should be the actual heir. I don't know. Did y'all, did y'all notice that or pick up on that? Oh yeah. I mean, without a doubt. And, and I, I even want to go as far as to say all of that was planted by Otto Hightower. I don't know how yeah. that's even possible to attempt to get the white heart, but when I saw that it ended up being the brown heart, I was just like, okay, like he couldn't, you know, fulfill his, his, whatever it was that he was trying to get Viserys to do. And we're just going to settle for this. Right. I don't know. That was just my thinking. If, if maybe Hightower was just trying to, you know, really feed it into Viserys that, Oh no, this, this, this is real. Like, this is just all sheer coincidence and on mm. on prince aegon's name day i mean this is this is by the gods you know what i'm saying like i was still of the belief hightower was 100 percent behind it so uh real fast too we've got some uh, new people in the live chat we've got cinema courtroom in here asking um if anyone's read the book so frank tristan y'all mm-hmm. have read fire and blood probably numerous times <laughs> Um, he also says that uh, Westeros history is also multi, also multi perspective. So it's fascinating how Viserys could have interpreted it. And then we have Patricia here uh, saying Viserys means well. It's just that he's easily manipulated. I agree. Shout out to also Mel from Geeking Out with Melly Mel, who's caught up on House of the Dragon. Glad you're here to join the live. So I, I want to I touch on like the multi-perspective part of it, just because, you know, we uh, Frank brought up um, the stag kind of dream that uh, Sansa has in the first book. But like even show watchers will know this, like if you remember at the beginning of season two, the comet, the red comet, like and how it showed it from everybody's perspective. Everybody thought that that comet meant this one thing. And again, it's a show. It's a show that's based on a time period where like these myths and these lores, like they sustained whole realms, like the whole Westeros, Essos, uh, both, both uh, continents are sustained by all these different, um, these different mythologies that, that come, you know, centuries before and stuff like that. So that, that's a great, um, great point that a uh, cinema court made. may shout out. Exactly. And, you know, before uh, when the hunt was just beginning, I don't know that, the stag was necessarily the plan because as Rhaenyra said in the beginning, she said she didn't want to go on the hunt because you know, the boars, whenever they're being killed, they sound like uh, people screaming or children screaming. And that transitions into uh, she gets to kill a boar herself. Uh, Frank, what did you think about the boar scene with Kristen Cole and Rhaenyra? I think I, that, that scene was so necessary because 
the frustrations of her stabbing that bull that bore multiple times, it demonstrated how frustrated she is with her position and, and how she's being viewed in the in the realm. Um, by the way, I don't know how that boar didn't kill her. Like it was literally standing on top of her. Not not ten times the boar is gonna it's gonna, it's, it's gonna gore you to death and 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 just whatever. But but no, I thought that I thought that scene was very um very symbolic about how the world how they view Vranera and how frustrated she is with how she's being treated, how she's been overlooked. Um, you know, Tristan brings brings up a good point. You know, as a seventeen year old, this is a this is a petulant child who is who is only worried about her perspective and not the perspective of the seven of the seven kingdoms and like what's best for the kingdoms. I'm not saying that her not be on the throne is not best, but at the same time, you got to have perspective. If you want to be a ruler one day um, over your subjects. It can't be about you, about your vision, what you want, but more so um, what's best for the realm. And <laughs> this, this Targaryen lineage, man, it's 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 becoming diet Targaryen over the, over these over the, these last twenty years, with 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 these leaders being so unsure of themselves, um, but now that that was a great that was a great scene. I I really love that scene and and you know it just shows the, it just shows the fear the fearness of, of Renera as well. Go ahead, and on that note, real fast, I'm just sharing a a comment from Mel who says Rhaenyra looks so cool with the blood on her after killing the wild boar. She looks so victorious. Mel, I'm learning there's a dark side to you with all this. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Justin. Damn, I forgot what I was going to say. Um, damn, I hate when that happened. Um, another bad. thing that, that, why that, that, um, that scene was so important because, oh, that's, I remember. It shows us, like, you, we're blowing through three years at a time, right? Six months, three right. years. And we need, we need these scenes to kind of work as exposition for the things that we missed in the, in the flash forwards, but we can clearly see that Kristen Cole and Rhaenyra have a close relationship. He feels very comfortable, you know, asking her what's been going on and like, you know, why did, you know, why did you run away? Talk to me. Like, so she, I think she sees him as somebody she's comfortable with, if not necessarily trust at this moment. Um, but we need that scene to, to let us know what's been happening you know, for between season, between episode two and episode three. I agree. Yeah, and the the fact that they seem to have that close friendship, I'm not, I don't want to use the word relationship because I, I just don't want to. Uh, but the fact that he obviously is her sworn sword, you know, he, he's basically her bodyguard. She selected him and rose him up to the King's guard to which he, he said that prior to all that, he, could have married just any common girl if he wanted to, because the question Rainier posed to him was, have you ever been betrothed? And he's like, listen, my position was so low. Like there was no way that was even possible. And she's kind of like, oh, well, you know, lucky you. And he goes, well, some people would think you're the lucky one. So, you know, just trying to kind of get her to think outside of her little bubble, like what y'all keep explaining so well is that she's very you know she's also a young woman she's very self-centered she's been pampered her entire life this is all that she's known and, and to have to think about other people or other perspectives or other ways of you know looking at things which was redundant sorry but you get what i'm trying to say the fact yeah. that she can lean on sir Kristen and he's gonna pretty much tell it to her straight especially when she posed the question to him about do you think the realm will accept me as their queen? And he kind of pauses and he says, they'll have no choice. 
Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's an honest answer. Yeah, I think he was just being real in that situation. You know what that is? That's that response is perfect because the basis of Game of Thrones, Song of Ice of Fire, Fire and Blood, House of Dragon, is feudalism. No matter what, no matter what you have going on, no matter whoever your your liege lord is, you're gonna have to go into battle and, and and support your liege lord, whether you like it or not. Because the minute you don't, you are you are viewed as a traitor and treason and uh, even to the crown. And that answer was so real because as a commoner or a common person, or even like a, a lord or a lady, if your liege, your liege leader says jump, you say how high. And that's that that is the basis of Game of Thrones. Like oftentimes all these wars, all these battles that, that, that come in place are people who are, who are common folk who have no who have no say in the matter fighting, you know, the business the 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 war of of the interests of, of evil men or women, so of and of, of power. So yeah, definitely. Um, just a couple things to wrap up with Rainier before we move on to another Targaryen that we see bloodied at the end of the episode. Um, we see Viserys and Rhaenyra kind of have a heart to heart where he says that he's not seeking to replace her, that he, he says she has to marry, but she, he wants her to pick someone that, that, that will please her, you know, that someone of her choosing and that she will not be supplanted. So uh, I'll go to Brittany first. Do you think that's going to happen? <laughs> you know, I think the intentions are are true. I think as a father, Viserys just wants his daughter to be happy. As a king, he, I think, is probably giving her a little too much leeway to make that decision because you have to think about in the long run what's the what's in the best interest of the realm. It might not be necessarily with Lannister and placing her at Casterly Rock and making Jason Lannister king consort or anything like that. I definitely don't think that'd be the best interest. However, Viserys is caught between a rock and a hard place, quite literally. And I think ultimately he would want her to be happy, but he's got to kind of pull in the reins and say, listen, there's also duty that you have to adhere to. And this is just kind of what our lives are like and you kind of signed up for this when you said you would be the heir to the iron throne and this is where Viserys lost the mvp of this of the episode like the acting patty i can't say his last name but he amazed that scene was was so brilliant in its portrayal of the different ways that he's trying to go mentally like he want like you said she he wants her to be happy but he also knows that she needs to marry to shore up um, the strength of their house and you know so on and so forth. But like he's trying to play both sides at the same time. And Rhaenyra, who again, as I said at the beginning of the show, has total conviction about how things should play out, is seeing that play out right in front of her. And I think she's losing respect for him as a king, while also like I hope, hopefully feeling some type of appreciation as a daughter. But as a king, she's losing all kind of respect for him and his decision making and things like that. Like, there's no warmth after he says, "Hey, you can pick your own match," or "I won't supplant you." It's just like, okay, like I, I see that your word will kind of blows by the wind based on your emotions, based on what you're feeling at the time. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that was a huge mistake by the series. 
that would be that was the moment for him to say, I understand your frustration. I get it. But this is about duty and honor. If you're going to be a ruler, you have to understand duty and honor. And you can't act like a petulant 17 year old child. I understand your frustrations. Again, I, I completely understand it. But this is the way it has to be. Hey, you have Jason Lanter, you have Lana Valerian and you have whoever else. Make a choice now. Right. The more leeway he gives her, I, as somebody who teaches 16 and 17 year old kids, there's not a lot of leeway I give them. I give them <laughs> two options. Hey, make that option. Make it quick. Tristan, bless you, kind <laughs> sir, for doing this. My God. <laughs> 17 year olds are easy. They're remarkably easy. I'm smarter than them. They can't whip my ass. Like, <laughs> like I, I operate on, on a feudal system. So <laughs> like, if you, if you can't destroy me. There's no reason for me to, to be, you know, to fear you or whatever. But the more choices that are given to both of these two characters who, despite the power that they have in their name and their titles, they should have less options in order to make things streamline a little bit easier. Right. right? King, I'm the king. I need to make my daughter needs to marry. Right. It can't be she gets to make her own choice. That could take forever. Right. And she can make a choice that can disrupt the realm, that can disrupt my reign, which is also already teetering uh, on an early round exit. Like so they need less options. <laughs> Both of them need less right. options because right. once she's 17 and she's too young and he's too weak and does not have convictions in any of these uh, these decisions he's making anyway. So streamline it. One or two decisions. Both of them. Let's make life a lot easier. I, I, I do want to say this, man, if. um if Allison's the MVP of this episode, then I, I gotta I gotta give um most approved player, man, to Robert to to Laura Strong. Um that dude, he's literally the only and when I say this, he's literally the only person at court who doesn't have ulterior motive, from what it seems like to me. Frank, like, this is why I fucking love you, because you and I <laughs> think the same GD way. Go ahead. Yes. And like and in episode two, he, he he's planting the seeds too because because by episode two we still don't know like we we're under the assumption that everybody at court wants something from Viserys, right? Like we we assume that they're just sucking at the power teeth, and then Strong drops his dime. Like, look, man, I know I I know you don't want to do this. I know old girl's twelve, man. But if you want to strengthen your your stronghold as king, man, and, and, and gain alliances, man, and 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 and, and mate with. A Targaryen ancestor and a Valerian. This is this is this is the way to go. And, and uh, three years later, man, he's still on that on that gangster shit. Like, look, man, you trying you trying to strengthen your power. You know, listen, you know, listen to me last time. But again, Rhaenyra and and Lannis, Lannis Valerian. This is going to strengthen your household. It's going it's going it's going it's going to succumb a lot of doubts, and it's going to it's going to increase your position. I mean, this is the way to go. And I fucks with him, man, because he's the only person at court. That is really looking out for Viserys, um, in 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 a, in a from the from the, like the Seven Kingdoms perspective, he's kind of like a Viser he's kind of like um, Varys, but not as not as calculating. He's more he's Varys light, which which I respect from him. Um, damn, I forgot what I was gonna say. Um, very good. Another good uh, was it Lionel Strong? Um, yeah. Lionel Strong episode, great advice. In true Game of Thrones fashion, though, this is not a spoiler. Um, or at least I'll talk around the spoiler. 
he the the logical decision, the practical decision that he proposes to King Series is completely logical, makes a ton of sense, um, and will end up also causing more problems. <laughs> it's, it's just like the some the the show is and the story is so brilliant because it just really shows the infallibility of like all planning. Planning is so useless in Game of Thrones world. Like you can plan, you know, you want to win a war, you have to plan, obviously. But like so much of this stuff is subject to human error and just the the complexity of life. Like Leno Valerian, excellent match, except that he's not. And we'll <laughs> you know, we'll see that. <laughs> well, what about the other option that Otto High Otto Hightower floated about? Uh, how not? Why not have a uh, little Aegon marry uh, Rhaenyra? The series has made it very clear that he's <laughs> he's only down for some tepid incest. Like he and he and Emma were cousins. Tepid, you know, like, tepid incest. He says tepid. No, Not but you know, in true Targaryen fashion, of course, that would have made a lot of sense. However, the fact that Rhaenyra herself already has no relationship with Alicent, you think she's gonna have any kind of loving relationship with with her half brother, like no, <laughs> none whatsoever. What about a relationship with their uncle, Damon Targaryen? Let's uh, let's talk about that guy. He uh, <laughs> one man army. Talk about hero ball. He was just going for it in this in this episode. Um, <laughs> listen, I, Matt I Smith is so great. He's he's awesome. He like, listen, he's Matt Smith, out, excellent man. I want to shout out Patrice real quick because I definitely was going to mention because uh, I missed it on the first viewing. But in the second one, I noticed that oh, I noticed the series it. missing two fingers. I didn't catch it on the first one at all. Oh, so I, I noticed it to too. Yeah. yeah. There's another yeah. thing we didn't notice. I went back and watched episode two this morning um, and episode three. Yeah, did y'all notice when Ellicent went, um, that last scene before Viserys made his decision about who he's going to marry, the night before, Ellicent's wearing this blue dress, right? Mm-hmm. And he go, she goes into his, his chambers and then it cuts into the next the next morning when he makes the decision. Alice is making the, is wearing the same fucking blue dress. Yeah, yeah. Did y'all catch that? It's like she's yeah. making that like was leading to. Mm-hmm, she's on ahead. a budget. I think she's on a budget. <laughs> <laughs> or they got it in the night before, and oh to not my. dishonor her, he went ahead and said, "I'm gonna marry her." That's what I think. Mm. Even Allison, Allison would not have spent the night in King Series bed chambers. Uh, not not Allison. Like I, the reason I could, and oh, I guess we're gonna talk about the trailer for next week. But we'll talk about like gossip and rumors and stuff like that. But Allison, I don't think she, yeah, I don't think she would allow herself to do that. Like she's I, already nervous, and I don't think Viserys would also like try to seduce her into like that. That goes against both of their characters a little bit. Yeah, I, I definitely agree definitely with that. Definitely possible. Mm-hmm. I'm with that, oh, but no. but let's go back to yeah. to Damon, okay? Yeah. Let's go back to Matt Smith. The man only had like one or two lines of dialogue, and he stole this fucking episode, okay? Like, hands down, this dude is the dude to either fuck with or not fuck with, depending on how you look at things. But phenomenal performance by Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Wow, just kidding. Matt Smith, Prince Damon. Jesus, sorry, y'all. I, I swear, I know, I know people. I know things. Okay. <laughs> well, let's talk about that scene. So, they actually, how the episode opens is we see the crab feeder and he's torturing 
the crab feeder aka uh, prince drehar which i wasn't i didn't know that was his name but uh uh he's torturing a soldier and the soldier is you know he's saying you know that they're gonna kill you like whatever and then he sees damon fly in on his dragon he's like oh my prince here here's here my prince save me and then the dragon lands on that guy and crushes him i mean it's by mistake but i wish george was here because on the is it comedy scale but that's right up with there with a bail the bail hitting that guy and killing him i, I was oh waiting for george's god. reaction to that but uh oh my god what a great opening scene game of thrones is just giving us everything right off the bat um the dude the dragons. The bell, he tried to run from the bell in a straight line i'll never get over that he didn't <laughs> zigzag or anything i'll never get i know over he's damn lucky ramsey bolton wasn't fired one of those arrows because <laughs> he would have been dead Jeez. oh my god no zigzag no uh-uh, no juke like that was wild i mean hey the hey the strategy what's, go ahead what's rick. what's rick on stark's favorite band <laughs> one direction there we one go <laughs> <laughs> no, but the strategy of uh of the sea snake and and uh Damon in this whole this battle not great. I mean, the the fact that uh the crab feeder and his people can just hide in caves, like they can just like wait it out, really negates the the power the dragons have. So you know, then we see uh, uh what's the prince's name? Laner. I mean, all these names are so s- similar. Uh. I lord. think it's Laner. Yeah. Okay. Not a prince, uh, lord. Lord. He's oh, lord. lord. Okay, that's right. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, his twin sister is uh, Lady Lena. Lena. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he has the idea of we need to send someone out and draw them out of the caves, and of course Damon does it, and just like that was an amazing battle scene. I mean, we've had so many great battle scenes in Game of Thrones over the years. To me, that's right there up up there because he he comes up there with the white flag, and I'm like, what is he going to do? It's like clearly he's going to like kill these guys. But it's one man against hundreds of dudes. What do you want to say, Frank? But you know what the the the, cra- <laughs> the crazy thing about that scene is that Damon was on he wasn't on no gangster one man suicide mission shit until that letter came from King's <laughs> Landing from his brother saying we're gonna send aid and what was it two thousand men and like ten ships or twenty ships or whatever. Right. Yeah. And and to me like. What spurs Damon to kill the crab feeder, and, and, and I wholeheartedly believe this, um, and put his life on the line was literally because his brother was willing to give him a lifeline to send more men. Yeah. That's why he puts his life on the line. That, that, that's the fun, like, he's literally the little brother who doesn't want help from his big brother. So he wants to do it himself because he wants to create his own identity. That that's that scene, and even getting the letter, you, you see how the, the, the raven, how mad he was that he he like. He he like sore whips the, the the messenger. It's like yeah, it's like bro, like you were losing this battle. First off, you went in the war without the mission of the king, so you you and Corlys are pretty much rebelling against the throne, doing your own fucking thing. Are you guys wrong? Probably not. But the fact that you didn't have the support of the king makes you look like you know runaways or or just you know. But seeing that was it was so funny how he was so willing to put his life on the line. Just to spite his own fucking brother. I love that yeah. scene. I love this episode because Game of I mean House of Dragon, the showrunners are serving two masters, right? They're serving the non-book readers who are looking at this this story where they may have a, a broader overview of where it's going, but they don't know like the ins and outs of how we get there and it's also serving people like me and frank who read all these books and know what's going to happen but we're so interested in the the machinations of how those things play out 
what you're seeing is like clear battle lines being drawn in, in like the most subtle ways, right? We're, we're starting to see like who's on this side, who's on this side, right? This dance, you know, <laughs> that we're going to have. And uh, Damon's, Damon's one man, you know, you know, Steph Curry show <laughs> is, uh, it does so many different things. And that's why I love it so much. One, it, it allows him to build his own story, right? I'm Damon Targaryen. Like he's known for being like a wild guy. It also, it allows him to kind of reshape the narrative of who Damon Targaryen is. A rogue prince. A rogue prince. Absolutely. <laughs> right. But now you're a rogue prince with a legendary story behind you. And what do we, what do we, we're talking about pretty much the whole episode is like these mythologies or what drives these narratives and it, it drives decisions um, in going forward. Um, and it also like positions him as a leader, which is something that Damon Targaryen has never in his entire life been confused with. Uh, and it obviously like the way he came about it was through selfish, pretty childish means, but you know, all we care about is the end result, man. You went out there, you pretty much ended this war. Uh, almost single-handedly. Yeah, you got help from the cavalry at the end, but you did the suicide mission that nobody else wanted to do, and you came out on top. And the way that they looked at him at the end, and the way he just kind of stood there as like this conquering champion, it's going to, it, I mean, I, I know, but like it's going to cause some issues uh, in the realm as a whole. Um, but just like, just that one scene, just that one action that he did, like has so many different, uh, outcomes that can come from it and it was just amazing and you know r.i.p to the crab feeder too we get to see he <laughs> damon cuts him in half drags his upper torso back out to the battlefield what a what a visual do you think damon targaryen has grayscale now Ooh, that's a good question because <laughs> no, he grabbed him he, he dragged him by his hand but did he grab him by the because i think he had it on his left side i think he had it by his right hand i believe i gotta rewatch i don't yeah, know <laughs> I don't think he has great skill. I think whatever great skill Drehar had, the the free cities probably cured him, and that's just what's left over. Kind of like with Shireen, how mm-hmm. she was how she was um, cured, and she just okay. it just kind of just went dormant. I think it went dormant for him because to be able to cut deals, because think about this, to be able to communicate and cut deals with multiple free uh, lords in the free cities and and get all this power, I, I think he was able to, I think he was able to be coherent enough and 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 got cured enough. To where it's it stopped whatever great skill he had, to where it's yeah. not contagious anymore. Um, great point. Great point. Yeah, for sure. And and let me just say, I was Patrice. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your thoughts here in in the chat. Uh, Patrice points out that it's Laner Valerion, or yeah, Valerion, the writer of Sea Smoke and twin brother of Lena. And let me just say, seeing this dragon come in to you know take down the archers was amazing i didn't realize at the time that the dragon's name was sea smoke i thought there was actually two dragons at at this whole battle in the beginning to me it looked like there was not at the very beginning of the episode but uh when when damon did the suicide mission it seemed like sea smoke which is kind of like a whitish blue sort of color maybe it's hard to tell but then it did Craxis end up coming out too, or was it solely the sea uh, sea smoke? No, it was just it was just Craxis beginning of the episode, and sea smoke closed it out in the, uh, in the episode. Okay, that's what I that's 
Okay, that clarification. Thank you. And, it was cool to see that happen. And for people who are wondering, oh, well, he's a Valerian. How can he ride a dragon? Like, he still has Targaryen blood. His mother is a Targaryen. I mean, only only Targaryen uh, blood can can ride dragons. And, and Laner is still of Targaryen blood, even though his father's Valerian. Well, technically, Valerian um, as well. Like, Val the Valerian, Valerian blood older than a Targaryen house. They were... Um, they had a little bit more prominence than the Targaryens mm. actually uh, in Valyria. So like having that Valyrian blood allows for him to better be able to bond with a dragon and ride said dragon, but it's so hit or miss. Mm. Uh, it really is hit or miss with the Targaryens as well. There's so many Targaryens who tried to bond with dragons the hard way in a lot of ways that it wasn't their ministry. It's crazy how, how like a, Valy a Valyrian or Targaryen can bond with a dragon and only bond with that one dragon mm -hmm. but dragons can bond with multiple dra dragon riders because Balerion mm -hmm. and Dredd was what over 100 years old when he died like he had 200 was 200 years 200. old when he died 200. like he 200. had multiple dra uh, dragon riders on him only Melisandre is older than him. <laughs> 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 yeah like uh Balerion had Aegon obviously he had Megor yeah. he had Aenys you know, Aenys, mm -hmm. and then you know the last Viserys. one. So, the somebody last. said uh, Valerian might have killed himself because he didn't want a weak king sitting on top. Oh of my him. god! <laughs> oh, what a rough way to go, Jesus! Well, before we look ahead to the next episode, do y'all have any final thoughts on on this one, Brittany? You have any final thoughts? I mean, each episode for me has been extremely solid, and that's because I have not read the book. Not that because I don't want to, I just haven't. However, from listening to Frank and Tristan's dissection of this episode compared to that of the book and, and the previous episode, I think the showrunners are doing, or so far have done an extremely well done job of bringing to life this story and, and adding things here and there just to make it a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more dramatic things of that nature. And I, I don't know if I have a favorite episode as of yet. I don't think I'm at that point just yet. I, I definitely cannot wait to see next week's episode. And then of course the remainder of this season. But I think this episode really set the path onward to some really, really life-changing shit <laughs> for these people. So uh, Frank, your final thoughts on this episode? Uh, 10 out of 10. Um, the acting is getting better. The story is getting better. Um, I think as a, as an avid book reader and avid show lover, I want to see how they connect certain things um, from here on out with huge like, events that happen in the book and how how they what path they take to get to those events is why I can't wait to see. Um, but those uh, those Valerians are going to play a big part over the, over the next this, this this season. So I can't wait to see how how they portray that. For me, I, I thought that knowing where the story would end would make the show less appealing or less rewarding for for me. And it couldn't be I couldn't have, have been more wrong. Like seeing how the battle lines are being drawn. Um, seeing how these the character development seeing how you know these, these dynamic characters who change in so many different ways like them setting up um the 
the new actors who are going to be coming in, you know, mid season, like everything, everything is like, it's building towards something. And I don't know how much they, they're even going to get to in the season. So like, in a way, I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I don't know if what I think is going to happen this season or if it's going to start happening next season, but this episode did a, an excellent job of move. Like you said, Brittany, moving the story forward. Um, while also making sure that we understand that these events that are happening in this episode are just as critical as what happens after. So 10 out of 10 episode for me. Um, again, like I think we, we're starting to see uh, some of our characters just the, the way who they are being stamped. Like Viserys is a weak king with a good heart who doesn't want to be there, who loves his daughter, who appreciates his new wife, um, who who wants to live up to King Jaehaerys and what he left behind him, but fails to understand that he's in a different world and he's not simply as good as Jaehaerys. And the circumstances surrounding that won't allow him to be as good as Jaehaerys. Uh, so like you said, Brittany, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place. And both of those things are slowly crushing him. Uh, so it's just interesting to see. I, 10 out of 10. Well, that and the Iron Throne itself, because he's, you know, down two digits. So, I mean, <laughs> inside, outside, it's it's all yeah. going to shit. <laughs> so, and, and speaking of shit, Brittany, uh, my final thoughts on this episode was, you know, we saw a lot of blood and guts in this episode, but the most disturbing thing I saw was when they're tracking the stag and they find the stag's droppings and Viserys has gloves on, takes off his glove and picks up the shit to smell it. And all, all I could think of the rest of the episode, I was thinking, you know, if you create hand sanitizer in this world or if like soap, like you're going to run this place. Like, you know, like Lord Zest of, of Irish Spring would be in charge of the realm. Cause like, how do they do that? Like you had some gloves and you took them off. I just, and then I don't know if you'll notice this, but then like, you know, Otto Hightower walks up and Viserys wipes his hand <laughs> on Hightower's like cape or upper shoulder. And I'm just like, I mean, Man. he's the hand of the king, so the, the hand, hand of, the of the king was on that, or maybe that's just a tell of what Viserys thinks of Hightower. I don't the, know. Yeah. The king shits, right? Hand wipes. Man. Thank <laughs> you. Yes, yes. But no, that so, that was an excellent episode. What were you gonna say, Brittany? So I posed the question to our live chat of what everyone thought about this episode. Uh, Amber says it got her really excited and anticipating where these stories are leading. Uh, Aaron Green, thank you for joining us, says that that was disturbing. I, I'm, I'm assuming in terms of the episode, or are we talking about the shit? But either way, uh, but the most disturbing thing in my books are certainly the guy at the beginning who was being eaten by crabs. Listen, I'm with you right there because that was really disturbing and then seeing the skeletal skeletal remains after that and then seeing the crab come out of the mouth ugh, shiver like ugh, shiver um and then patrice <laughs> patrice says in those days they did not shower often still you don't have to pick up shit like if you have gloves pick it up with your gloves you know like i'm sure <laughs> he's the king he can get extra sets of gloves you know what i'm saying like well, why do you need to smell the shit like i know exactly he already told you it's yeah. not it's about two right. hours away. Cool. Right. He's like, he's like, I, I gotta gotta test it myself. The king needs to confirm anyway. <laughs> so looking ahead, we got to see a little minute teaser for next week's episode, which is titled King of the Narrow Sea, which as we see in the trailer, Damon has been named that, or maybe gave himself the name. I, I don't know. But there also appears to be some kind of ceremony happening. 
Um, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Because that, to me, it almost looks like another kind of air naming ceremony. I don't know. Frank, what what did you think when you saw that? Uh, marriage is about to happen. Um, of either, of either. Well, I don't want to spoil it because I, I kind of know who gets a marriage is about to happen. I, I'm just gonna leave it at that. Do they keep it in the family? Just a question. Just yeah, like, yeah. That's what yeah. I figured. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, for me, I think they're going to go some places that I did not think that they would go in this particular show. Um, we talk about some extracurricular uh, rumors and gossip. Um, like it's it's clear that. Rainier will be uh, dodging some rumors about her um, and some uh, relationships or relationship that she might have. So I didn't think they were going to go there. So I'm very interested to see how that, you know, kind of speeds up the the major conflicts that are the wars to come. Um, so, again, I'm shocked. I didn't think they would even go there. But I've, I've released all expectations of the show and I'm just watching it like everybody else, man. So. I think next I think next week's show is gonna be less action packed and more the action is gonna be happening in King's Landing, in the, in these throne rooms and in these council meetings, back rooms, stuff like that. Like and that's usually where Thrones goes in like the four to six range of, of season. So uh I, I think they're gonna follow the same template. Okay. Brittany, what did you what did you think when you saw the trailer, especially the part where we see that uh, Rhaenyra learns about the Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah, that's what really piqued my interest as soon as the trailer began because the fact that in Game of Thrones it was kind of spoken a few times, not really to a great extent. We we heard it from the Red Woman uh, and put a pin in that, Justin, because I do want to talk about some Red Woman news later. However, the prince that was promised we heard it talked about for, oh gosh, what's his name? Baratheon, um, Stannis, assuming he was going to be it. And then it turned out, oh no, it's Daenerys. It could be the prince or princess that was promised. And then I think in just the Song of Ice and Fire in general, it really should be Jon Snow. But that really piqued my interest because if they're going to actually go into that prophecy, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Okay. I'm here for it. Yeah. I just hope that they don't talk about it and then it doesn't go anywhere. But the fact that these storylines are going to progress, I don't know if there's how much age, age, just kidding, how much time jump there is going to be. It, it looks like Allison has given birth to another baby, but maybe she's had another one in between you know, from Aegon to, to this, I, I have no idea. We, I'm not sure what the, the time jump is. However, the fact that it's going to definitely become a little bit more personal, I think in the sense of Rhaenyra, whatever relationship she's having, because that kind of cut really fast. It's like, well, who was she having a relationship with? Is it, is it someone that we're already aware of, or is it someone who we haven't met yet? You know, that kind of thing. So I need to go back and rewatch the trailer. However, I cannot wait for the next episode because it's it's really going to start shaping into something amazing. <laughs> and the Shut answer, uh, Patrice, yes, Melisandre is alive at the time of the story. Yeah, she might have actually she was she was alive before Aegon's conquest. Mm -hmm. She old to, old. Oh, 
Shout out to uh, Leonard Valerian. Looking look like a grown man with a mortgage, bro, after, after about three years, dog. That, <laughs> that, that's a hell of a time for that dude, bro. Yeah, Viserys, Viserys from episode two to three looks like life took a toll on him. Like, all yeah. of them. Yeah. Like, three years <laughs> is like dog years in, in, in Westeros. Like man, man, land about 27, dog. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's, it's a tough life, that Game of Thrones. Uh, and speaking of that, there was some news with the show this week. Um, one of the showrunners, Miguel Sapochnik, who directed many of the big uh, battle-heavy uh, episodes in Game of Thrones, the showrunner for the first season of House of the Dragon, he's not returning for season two as the showrunner. He's still going to be an executive producer, but he cited fatigue from working on all the Game of Thrones and now working on House of the Dragon. So do y'all have any thoughts about Miguel Sapochnik leaving the show? Well, not leaving the show, but not being as uh, prominent. Tristan, I talked about this last week was going to the gym. Um, shit's hard, bro. <laughs> shit's yeah. hard, dog. Like when you, when, you, when you put together this world and like you're 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 working off one of the off one of the greatest visionaries this world has ever seen in George R. R. Martin. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know George R. R. Martin personally, but it seems like to me he he's probably a stickler. He's probably very, you know, buttoned up to the T at how he wants things to be seen and, and portrayed. And you know, and, and that shit wears on you, man. And this show was what four years in the making, five years in the making. Like they had they had plans, I think, after season four of the original show. To put together this 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 prequel, so I mean, to my hours on top of hours, and he, he he's he's not a spring chicken either. So I'm I'm sure, I'm sure he just tired. I don't blame him. And there's multiple prequels in the works, and they have been in the works for a while. You know, talked about there's treatments being, you know, written and produced. So, you know, I I don't think he's done with the Game of Thrones world, but I think he's stepping back from House of the Dragon, obviously. Salute, and I think also too how how Ben off and Weiss fucked off the last season. <laughs> but but you know what though, pressure on, on like I, I don't care what you say. That put pressure on anybody yeah. who who decides to, to take on this project because how the world viewed Game of Thrones and how it crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. You don't want you don't want your name attached to to I'm the guy who fucked up House of Dragon. I'm the guy that fucked up whatever. Yeah. So yeah, no question. But I also think that like you can see that Benioff and Weiss had the same fatigue, you know, like, I think that's a big part of it. I don't think their plan was like to adapt this awesome story and do a great job at it. And then at the end, just like give up. I think they, I think had George finished his story, I think they would have adapted it all the way through. And I think we would have got a great ending or we would have got the ending that George was, is going to give book readers, which he hasn't done that yet. So, right. And, um, and the other big difference too, is that George R. R. Martin himself is involved heavily involved in this show as opposed to game of thrones right well yes but in in game of thrones even though he was given that same title he really didn't have much involvement and after season four so you're talking it went on another four seasons without his input without his direction of any sort and it's crazy to me that's i know i know but five and see five six and seven one episode save save one episode of seven but those (laughs) Those are three mean, great seasons. You mean Big Dumb Plan? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that Big was, Dumb Plan was yeah. stupid. Yeah. Gendry running across the world and running back. And like, if he were like the three Flash, hours, if he had the powers of the Flash, I get it. But he did. So, yeah. <laughs> Listen, uh, Damon in this episode, I think, could give Gendry a run for his money because that boy was hauling ass. Okay. We have to talk about 
Damon <laughs> or Matt Smith or who the stand-in for Matt Smith. Like that running style was uh amazing. Ridiculous. Like donkeyless and in purpose. sand. Well, in the sand. <laughs> no, Come on. That shit pissed me off, bro. That shit pissed me <laughs> off. And I'm gonna tell you why. That dark sister's a heavy ass sword. You tell me you run a 4340 in sand with that heavy ass blaring sword, bro. <laughs> Hacking motherfuckers left and come on, dog. That's not even believable, yeah. man. I mean, I believe definitely... in dragons, I believe in I believe in witches. I don't believe a motherfucker <laughs> run a 4340 across sand with a heavy ass metal sword, dog. It's a lot of practice, man. He's had that he's had dark sisters since he was like five. <laughs> so yeah, you but also definitely, definitely check out the, one of the extras on this episode is like a 20 minute like how the house was built and i think that's what they call those this little series they do it for every episode you should check that out because they show kind of how that scene was was created and, and it was like partially in a physical you know space and they did part part of it was recreated on that like using the volume yeah. soundstage like what star wars uses what the batman was filmed in mostly um so it's pretty cool like I mean, it's like it's like I always said with the with Game of Thrones. No matter what you thought about season eight, there's so much work that is involved in that show that like it's really incredible what they produce. Amber, Amber, I can Amber, barely walk I'm with you. Yeah, shout out to Amber, man. Shout out to Amber. <laughs> Amber, she, yeah, saying I she's not a dragon though. She's well, not a dragon. She's she's listen. a wizard with her wands, but she's not a dragon. So you know. Even then, and the armor, yes, Amber, the armor, and hauling ass. No, yeah, I, I forgot about the arm. Man, fuck that scene, dog. <laughs> Man, I, forgot the, I forgot about the armor. They're Targaryens. They're exceptional, right? Like, right. <laughs> have you seen the yeah. series? The mix are not perception. They're not all perceptional, bro. They can ride dragons. All right, they they, they can. That's pretty cool. Sand, right? <laughs> he was on a dragon. He was literally running his sand <laughs> with armor on, bro. Yeah. There was no dragon in sight. Frankly, hey, you can have ride you a seen dragon. Seen Targaryens uh, behind the scenes? Have you seen his Instagram workouts? Like, you don't know what. Time <laughs> he's doing. You rise and grind every day. day. He's not, yeah. he, he ain't doing IG workouts with armor on, bro. I'm, I promise. I, I was going to say, do, do they rival Frank's IG workouts? Just curious, you know, because I mean, Frank, that's that's something you might want to look into. We get we need to get your Jon Snow outfit outfit back oh out God. again. And and listen, we're going to bring in the views. We're going to bring in the followers. Like, come on. Shit, we've seen Jon Snow run a 4-3-40 with armor and a big ass. That's true. <laughs> Dude, Jon Snow is running his fucking ass Jon off, Snow didn't have good. armor on the way. Damon had armor from head to toe with the helmet and everything, bro. Jon Snow on, was trampled on, okay? He nearly suffocated. <laughs> I was suffocating watching the that, that episode. The prince could promise can, can be stabbed by 10 dragons. He's still going to survive, bro. Oh. Prince not, that not, like, promise, not like bro. that crab feeder victim? Damn. <laughs> nah. nah. <laughs> he had the juice. He had the juice. Yeah, he had the juice. Um, what I wanted to talk about real fast too, because it's been mentioned about Melisandre, you know, she's, she's around during this time. And, and yes, she is. I saw that, um, is it, uh, Cerise? I can't pronounce her name properly, but the actress who did play Melisandre, she actually has, uh, said she would love to be involved in the show in some kind of fashion, which would make sense because again, she's old enough to be around. However, I share this with Justin, I, I, Frank, Tristan, maybe I'll see this. There's talk about Elizabeth Olsen, who might be in next season, as so, who yeah. I don't know. But then 
news also suggested that maybe Henry Cavill. I'm would very also... skeptical about Henry Cavill. <laughs> no, I Listen. mean because there's so much Henry Cavill talk, and actually this week is D23. There's rumors that he's going to be mm-hmm. working with Marvel. There's rumors that he's going to be Superman. Also, he's also doing The Witcher. I mean, I like Henry Cavill also, but he can't. Listen, be in he can everything. be my Targaryen. All yeah, right, yeah. he he can be my Targaryen. I mean, honestly, no, no, honestly, <laughs> he's too jacked for that world. He is too jacked for that world. I'm not mad about it either. <laughs> okay, well, Tristan, I want to see him work out in armor. Okay, I, I will. I will watch. I saw the Elizabeth Olsen news. Um, I I think it'd be a little bit too on the nose for her to play Melisandre, Red Witch yeah. to Red Witch. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yes. <laughs> I can see. Awesome. Justin, you didn't put that together. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I'm not very smart. Um, I I I think she plays a Targaryen if she's in there. I yeah. can see that. It's just curious because these the Game of Thrones and so far House of Dragon usually cast an all British cast you know I don't, I don't know if there's any americans outside of their directors or executive people peter dinklage who... is american peter, yeah peter dinklage is the... yeah, he's oh well okay he, he's the one exception okay okay yeah. then my, aiden, my, well, no, aiden my... gillen is from like ireland or some shit. he's from ireland yeah, oh, yeah. but okay my point is moot now um <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, bring maybe... it on bring on elizabeth olsen just don't well, cast her um um <laughs> millie I, however you say her name, Rhaenyra, she's from yeah. Australia. Oh, so I think the, the major thing to say is Game of Thrones rarely brings in huge American actors. Yes. Like Peter Dinklage is the, yes. the biggest American actor that right. they've hired. So Elizabeth yes. Olsen would be a huge shift. And Henry, Henry Cavill, of course, would also be a huge shift. Uh, is, isn't Cavill from Britain? He's English. He's British. He, he's, yeah. English. he's English. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah he's, yes, he's, he's very, <laughs> very English. <laughs> Who knew? I did. Not I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who did not know? Well, Me. <laughs> you know, Elizabeth Olsen, she can just go back to her Sokovian accent, right? Can she, No, though? I hope not. That shit was horrible. Oh, my can God. Can she, though? She kind of no. ditched that, like, after Age of Ultron. She's like, nope. No. <laughs> just be... just uh, trying to blend in now. <laughs> I wonder what uh, what accent my girl Masari is going to be using next time we see her. She's oh, my gosh. That, her accent is rough. It's... <laughs> She doesn't sound like a person. It's, it's malpractice, is what it is. They should it's, it's unusual because I thought maybe it was like a bastardized French kind of thing, but I don't even know what that. Oh, Aaron, Aaron makes a good point about can't forget old Cal Drogo. Yep. Oh yeah, Jason American. Moore. Hello. Also, another superhero, Aquaman. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. Not here, not now. No, sorry. That, well, that hurts too much. The, the last thing I want to mention. So Frank and Tristan, y'all are not watching the Rings of Power, right? The Lord of the Rings prequel series. No, it looks good. No. It looks good visually. I think so. Have you, Tristan? Have you ever watched the Lord of the Rings movies, the original? I've seen one? parts of the first one. I, I, I'm pretty sure you and Frank would like those movies because I mean, the Return of the King won the Best Picture at the Oscars in 2003. I mean, these are quality now they're long as hell these are three and a half four hour movies but i mean if you like game of thrones you're gonna like these these movies i, I listen to a three-hour podcast about game of thrones every week so <laughs> okay i'm not yeah <laughs> fair enough anyway rings of power started on friday and they you know they did two episodes and they got like 25 million viewers and they're really proud of that they should oh, be shit. right they should be but this show and i was telling Brittany this before we came out here this show 
you ha- I mean, you have to compare it to Game of uh, to House of the Dragon because they're fantasy and they're happening at the same time. But there is no comparison. House of the Dragon is so much better. I, I will give the Rings of Power looks amazing. I think the actors are, are are strong, but like that first episode is very dull. And whereas in House of the Dragon, House of the Dragon is like the boys. It's just go, go, go. There's always something. It's entertaining. I mean, even when just people are talking, sometimes that's the best parts of Game of Thrones, as we talked about all the, the political stuff. And um, the Rings of Power, they should have like saved it for the holidays or something. Don't go head to head with Game of Thrones. That's just my opinion. But so, listen, and pretty- then, well, so- real quick, well, real quick, Frank, the flex to that House of the Dragon threw yeah. down Friday when Rings of Power officially premiered. The fact that House of the Dragon was available for free here on YouTube the same day Ring of Power dropped. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah, the only thing is everyone had already watched it on HBO Max because, like, you know, that was two weeks ago. You know, like, people are already... But I I get what you're saying. Like, they, you know, they definitely were trying to, you know, show dominance. Game of Thrones went head-to-head with Game 7 of the NBA Finals. And one. And one. And one. (laughs) So, like... Like, like I, come on now, like, yeah, game seven. Sorry, Frank, what were you gonna say? Let me <laughs> win. Like they went head to head with with, with that, and yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty legit. Yeah. Frank, I'm no. sorry. What, what were you saying earlier? Oh no, I was asking like, so that's a prequel too, right? Like of the original movie. So it's a, it's a, it's before the movies, but it's not necessarily a prequel. It's a very weird deal that Amazon has. Amazon doesn't have the full rights to J.R.R. Tolkien's like Lord of the Rings story. It's, mm-hmm. it's really strange. Like there's certain characters that are in the, the original movies that they don't have the rights to. It's, I don't totally understand. It's like Sony it. and Disney with certain Marvel characters. Yeah. There's a weird, you know, sharing of, story and it's like appendices of books and not the full text it's it's very strange but uh the guy that played young ned in game of thrones he's a a big part of uh the rings of power he plays elrond the uh a younger elrond yeah not hugo weaving yeah from the original movies so yeah anyway i lord uh, if you like lord of the rings if you like game of thrones check out the rings of power but you're not going to get house of the dragon like type entertainment yeah and justin i'm gonna suggest that we do a season review of ring of power <laughs> yeah because i don't think I, I can't do an episode by episode it just doesn't no. it doesn't it's one of those things where like i'm looking at my phone and the tv's on behind me and i'm kind of yeah. watching because it just doesn't doesn't grab me like house of the Dragon. yeah so. for sure for sure anyway so hey hey Brittany, how can uh how can people find us on social media all right so first of all before i do that i just want to thank Everyone who has taken the time out of their day to listen to this podcast, it means so much to us. We are on the road to 100 YouTube subscribers, and we're at 92. We're at 92 subscribers. That's amazing, just during this podcast. So thank you all so, so much for it. We really appreciate it. Shout out to everyone in the live chat, Patrice, Amber, Aaron, Mel. Uh, We had the cinema courtroom guy here earlier. Uh, Sorry if didn't catch your name uh but we appreciate everyone here drew our brother from the north thank you thank you thank you but you can also find the watchers in the basement on facebook twitter and instagram just search at watchers basement help spread the word about us by using the hashtag watchers basement come on help us get to that 
that 100 subscriber moment. It's going to be huge for us. We've been doing this for a few years at this point, pre-pandemic. And yep. we I said it earlier in the chat today, you know, we're not a large podcast, but we are a proud one. And last but not least, if you're not into video podcasts like this on YouTube, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, thanks to anchor.fm. Give us a five-star rating. It helps out our channel a lot. And also, don't forget to like this video. It helps out with our channel. It helps reach more people to learn about us, and hopefully we'll subscribe. And that's pretty much it. So back to you, Justin. Yeah, thanks, Brittany. Appreciate it. And like like you just said, I appreciate everybody who's watching, commenting. We appreciate the subscriptions and all the comments uh, it really uh, makes us feel good when we do this and it's not just us talking to ourselves. So anyway, thanks again. So for, for Brittany, for Frank and for Tristan, this is Justin saying, we'll see you next week. When we talk about episode number four of house of the dragon, the king of the narrow sea. See you next- die. Yep. Oh, that was good. <laughs> More Damon Targaryen.